Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. First of all, at verses 4 and 5, and then we'll look at verse 8. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but, and then we see the words of Jesus here, wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Who said that? Jesus said that, right? Amen. Verse 8, Jesus continues to speak, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Somebody say amen. amen. Now look with me at the second chapter of the book of Acts, beginning with verse 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Kind of sounds like right now, doesn't it? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jump now with me, if you would, to verse 38. Acts 2 and 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children. And to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Amen. We're going to preach about Pentecost on Pentecost Sunday. Surprise. You weren't expecting that, were you? Find three people, give them a high five, tell them you're so glad they're in the house of God today. While I still claim and hold desperately to the fact that I am a young man, 
An amen would have sufficed. The laughter was unnecessary. I have been preaching about Pentecost and its life-changing power for over 20 years. Preaching about the Jewish feast day that God chose to pour out his spirit upon humanity and why he did so. Preaching about the upper room, the location, the prayers, the passion, the unity of the disciples that was found on that day. Preaching about the sights and the sounds that were like wind and like fire, but the Holy Spirit moving and active in the lives of those original 120 and 3,000 before, more before the day was over. Preaching about the reality of human beings speaking a language that they have never spoken before as only the Spirit of God gave them the ability to do so. And preaching about hungry people listening to Peter preach that message on the day of Pentecost after he and the disciples and the other 120 in the upper room are now preaching to a massive crowd. And after he is preached and their faith cries out from within inside of them, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to experience what you have experienced? What do we need to do to feel what you're feeling and have what you have received? And Peter preaching an impactful message and answering their question. In Acts 2 and 38, as we have just read it, his answer was succinct and it was powerful. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Anybody in this place been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? Be baptized every single one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, but not just to you. I'm thankful today, amen, that it wasn't just unto my mom and dad, but it was also unto me. And I'm thankful it's not just unto me, but it's also unto my children. But I'm also thankful it's not just for me and my house, hallelujah, but whosoever will, as many as the Lord our God shall call. As many, amen, those that are far off, As many as the Lord our God shall call. And I have preached about this and proclaimed it to anyone who would listen and anyone who would be interested to know more about it. Not because I'm Pentecostal and my religion is a Pentecostal religion or that I'm part of a Pentecostal organization. But because in my life I have yet to find anything that compares to the ability of the Holy Spirit to completely transform a life, to touch the heart, the mind, and the soul. Oh, hallelujah. You can be around Pentecost and not really get it. You can have someone teach you about Pentecost and never fully understand it. You can become a theologian that specializes in Pentecost and still miss the point. Jesus tried to tell them in advance what was to come in Acts 1, 4, and 5. Jesus is trying to get it through to them. One last thing before he ascends up into the heaven, being assembled together with them, commanded them, 
It wasn't a request. He wasn't saying if you get around to it. He was speaking boldly. He was speaking in a way that would grab their attention and cause them to focus in on what he was about to say. He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but that they would wait for the promise of the Father, which saith Jesus, you have heard of me. Jesus says, I've been preparing you, and I've been talking about this, and I'm trying to position you exactly where you need to be position. Now I've done everything that I can do and I'm about to ascend up into heaven, but you need to hear my final words. I've put a place specifically that you need to be and I need you to get there and I need you to get in one mind and one accord and I need you to believe that the things that I've been talking about are going to come to pass. I need you to have faith that the things I've been preparing for are going to happen in your life. Wait for the promise of the Father, which ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost of not many days from now. The promise of the Father is on its way, he says. The promise of the Father is about to break forth into the realm of humanity. You're about to experience something on a whole nother level. I know that I'm not going to be with you anymore, but you don't need to worry, Jesus said, that I'm not going to be with you because we're going to another level in this relationship. We're taking this thing to another level. I have been with you, but I shall be in you. Hallelujah. We're going to another level in how we connect. Our covenant's going to its fullest extent promise of the Father is on its way, and it meant that they would be baptized with the Holy Ghost, that their lives, what that means, would become completely saturated with the Holy Spirit of God, that just like in water baptism for the cleansing of sins, when they were buried with him in baptism, the Bible says, and they rose up, and how every baptism in Scripture, every single one of them that you study in actual baptism, they were always immersed in the water in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's a valuable part of our salvation process. And so he's connecting this, uh, amen, baptism experience that they had understood and experienced already to the Holy Ghost, but he's saying this is going to be different. There's not going to be a water baptism. This is going to be a spirit baptism. Oh, hallelujah. Because you got to be born again of the water and of the spirit, Jesus said. And so there's going to be a spirit baptism that is going to completely saturate your heart and your mind and your body and your soul by the wonderful life-transforming spirit of the Almighty God. And if there's any Holy Ghost-filled people in here today, you ought to make a little bit of noise and say, I'm thankful today that I didn't stop at baptism, but that I kept going on until I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. It may sound a little crazy to some of you today, but it's a God kind of crazy. I'm just going to tell somebody today, you could use a little God crazy in your life. Amen. I said it may sound a little crazy, but you could use a little God crazy. We got world crazy. We got people crazy. We got finance crazy. We got government crazy. How about we get a little God crazy in our life? I'd rather have a little God crazy. It may, may look me like I don't know what I'm talking about. I may look out of my mind, but my mind is in Jesus, and my hope is in heaven, and I've been born again of the water and of the Spirit, and you come too late to tell me that a person can't be transformed. You're sitting in a 
our room today full of people whose lives have been transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Turn to your neighbor, tell them they need a, a little God crazy in their life. You need a little God crazy in your life, and I'm just going to say it like this. You're going to want to get on the boat before you get left behind. Amen. Because Pentecost has been making a big impact on our world for a long time, but it is making a renewed, uh, there's an, another awakening happening around the world. If you haven't been plugged in or connected or knowing what's going on, you need to get connected. Hallelujah. And I would advise you to stay connected and live connected after that. But you need to get connected first to what the power of the Holy Ghost is doing in a world that we live in today. I read an article this week from an unbelieving church organization, from an unbelieving church organization that does not believe in the power of the Holy Ghost and, and active in people's lives. They would still claim that modern-day Pentecost is crazy. But I'll read you what they wrote, even from that perspective. One of the more fascinating trends in the world today is the rise and expansion of the Pentecostal movement in this world's Christianity. More than any other religious persuasion, Pentecostalism is sweeping not only American Protestants, but it is also making serious inroads around the globe. It is gaining twice as many adherents as the surge in Islamic fundamentalism. Though Pentecostalism has advanced most readily among the urban poor, it is not confined to them. Pentecostal churches can be found in rural areas, in affluent neighborhoods, in immigrant enclaves, in racially mixed areas. No group seems to have been bypassed by its expansion. It has even made substantial numbers of converts in traditionally non-Christian countries like like India and South Korea and Brazil and Russia. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost doesn't walk by anybody. They that hunger and thirst shall be filled. Ain't nobody getting left behind that wants a little bit more of Jesus. If you want a little God crazy in your life, you're right in the right place at the right time because God is doing miraculous things. A man by the name of Larry Ty with the Boston Globe writes this. Almost unnoticed, a religious revolution is taking place. Pentecostalism, the faith that is defined by speaking in tongues and spiritual healing, is growing at a rate of 50,000 believers a day, faster than any other religion in the world. The tongue-talking people. The people that believe that things can get a little crazy. That you can begin to speak in a language you've never spoken before as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. Another article said this, and I quote, Pentecostalism, the age-old Christian faith characterized by spiritual healing, speaking in tongues, and prophetic visions, according to some experts, may be the fastest-growing faith in the world today. The faith is growing so rapidly that experts predict that one in three Christians will be Pentecostal by early next century. I'm saying you better get on the boat is what I'm saying. 
You might want to get on the boat before you get left behind because God's doing a powerful thing in the world today. God is still reaching down, and I know he's doing it by the hundreds of thousands, uh, but he's still doing it individually, one at a time. Uh, Hallelujah. You can be anywhere in this world and lift your eyes toward heaven and cry out, Jesus, and you're going to have a God, uh, an ever-present help in time of trouble that can come rushing into your life. Oh, hallelujah. Ty's article of the Boston Globe gave some reasons as to why the Pentecostal experience is growing. One of the reasons he gave amongst many was that the Holy Spirit plays a more important role in a Pentecostal service than in any I have ever been in. It is seen as a power that touches and empowers believers' lives. People reach out and ask God, to be filled with the Spirit, and they expect it to happen. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I don't want to go to a church where people don't expect anything to happen. I don't want to go every week and week in, week out to a church where people just walk in expecting the same old, same old thing to happen. We need God to happen. We need God to happen in our churches. We need God to move in our midst. Uh, This world needs Jesus. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. My family needs Jesus. We need the power of the Holy Ghost active. Oh, hallelujah. Like when Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. He said it. He said the article. In the article, it's... The reason why it's getting such attention is because there seems to be a power there. Almost like what the Bible says. That there shall be power when the Holy Ghost is involved. Oh, hallelujah. And you're going to be witnesses, he said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And then the day of Pentecost came, and we looked at it. The day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all there with one accord, one place. There suddenly there came a sound from heaven, and it filled all the house. I'm starting to feel a little Pentecost in this house today. It filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues. It was like fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost. Not just around the Holy Ghost. Not just talking about the Holy Ghost. Not just claiming that there is a Holy Ghost. It's some sort of mysterious third part of the Trinity. But they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were filled, hallelujah, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they knew something powerful was happening because they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Spirit capital S, by the way, meaning God. God gave them the ability to speak in other tongues. It's just enough crazy to get your attention, isn't it? God is a genius. I mean, he's just really smart. He said, I got to do something. (laughs) I got to come up with something with these humans. I got to do something that's just enough blow their mind that they won't just explain it away somehow. I gotta, and I got to attach something to it 
so that they know that something has happened. Maybe it would be good if the people around them also could tell something has happened. So he decides to take what the Bible calls our most unruly member. This thing, this thing. He says, I'm going to take that most unruly member, that thing that they seem to not have much control over. Anybody ever been there? I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. He said, I'm going to take that most unruly member. Mm. That most unruly member, by the way, doesn't act independently of your mind. And Bible also says that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So it doesn't act independently of our heart, which is another genius idea of the Lord. Because when he begins to take control of our tongue, it shows that there's been a spiritual saturation of my mind and of my heart. Oh, hallelujah. It shows that something has happened to me on the inside. Some transformative experience has taken place. And the Bible says, when the Spirit of God fills me, that I begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives me the utterance. You may have already heard somebody speaking in tongues today. I mean, we've been having quite a time already. Uh, you may hear somebody speak in tongues before you leave here today, but I, I challenge you. I challenge you not to try to mimic what they're doing. Don't just try to make some funny sounds come out of your mouth. It ain't going to work. It's not going to work. We don't have a class. We're not going to teach you how to make the right noises or the words to say real fast. When I was a kid, we used to joke and say, see my tie, tie my tie. See my tie, tie my tie. That's not quite the same thing. <laughs> That's ignorance. That's just dumb. But... That's why the Bible says the Spirit of God, oh hallelujah, gives you the utterance. Because only God knows when he is moved from the outside into the inside. Only God knows when he has saturated the mind and saturated the heart and soul. And you begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. One report from around the globe speaks of Pentecostal missionaries making such an impact on some of the Baptist churchgoers that the Baptist missionaries went to check it out. This is on foreign soil. The Baptist missionaries went to check out what was going on with the Pentecostals because it was having such an impact on some of their Baptist saints. And so the Baptist missionaries went to check it out, and the Baptist missionaries themselves received the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. 
Now, you may say, well, you know, that's interesting, but that's just some missionaries in some country on the other side of an ocean. But you may want to pay attention because it has something to do with what happened a few years back at the Southern Baptist Convention for the entire organization. This is from Charisma News. After a decade-long resistance, the Southern Baptist Convention will will admit missionary candidates uh, who speak in tongues, uh, a practice associated with Pentecostal and charismatic churches. Uh, The new policy, approved by the denomination's International Mission Board on Wednesday reverses a policy that was put in place 10 years ago against speaking in tongues. This is what they say. Allowing Southern Baptist missionaries to speak in tongues or have what some SBC leaders call their own prayer connection with God speaks to the growing strength of Pentecostal churches in Africa, Asia, and South America where Southern Baptists are competing for converts and where energized new Christians are enthusiastically embracing the practice of speaking in other tongues. Another quote, in so many parts of the world, these charismatic experiences are normative, says Bill Leonard, professor of church history at Wake Forest Divinity School. Religious groups that oppose them are getting left behind evangelistically. Oh, hallelujah. The Southern Baptists, I continue in the article, have long prided themselves as among the world's most ambitious missionaries, uh, reaching countries and regions that few dared to go. But they are increasingly finding competition from fast-growing Pentecostal Christianity. And the ban on speaking in tongues uh, became a way to distinguish the denomination from others. Uh, But these days, uh, it can no longer afford to keep that distinction. Southern Baptists are experiencing such demographic trauma of membership and baptism that they need new constituents so they completely reversed their policy and said now we believe that a person can receive the Spirit of God and be filled with the Holy Ghost and to the Southern Baptists and everyone else out there I say it ain't a competition. Come on in. The water's fine. We're not working against you. We're all trying to get to the same place. I want to know Jesus in the fullness of his power. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I just wish everybody would let God be God and see what God can do. If you'll just let God loose in your life, if you'll let go of everything else you've ever thought and said, maybe, just maybe, there's something more for me, I promise you, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues before you even leave this house today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me give you just a couple more. Is that all right? According to Zenit International News Agency in Rome, there is such an outpouring of the Holy Ghost with hundreds of thousands of people speaking in other tongues. I'm quoting an article again. That instead of fighting it, the Catholic bishops... The Catholic bishops have welcomed it into their masses... And Catholic bishops themselves have begun to receive the Spirit of God evidenced by speaking in other tongues. (laughs) 
How about this one? A Christian Post article reports this about the Episcopal Archbishop. If you don't know who that is, that's the big dog <laughs> of, their, of their group. His name is Welby. Welby said his own personal conversion experience occurred on October 12, 1975, while he prayed with a Christian friend in his dorm room at college. Up until that point, he said, vaguely, I vaguely assumed there was a God, but I didn't believe, and I wasn't interested at all. He explained that amid the prayer, he felt a clear sense of something changing, the presence of something that had not been there before in my life. Welby has previously recalled that he first began to speak in tongues after he was overwhelmed by the love of God as he read John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Two weeks after becoming a Christian at age 19, it was from that moment and in the days that followed that I realized that the Holy Spirit of God had touched me in a very powerful way. He told this to the Anglican Communion News Service. He said, I began to speak in tongues and began to learn of the intimacy that Christ brings to us in that relationship. The leader of the Church of England is now openly discussing that he speaks in tongues on a regular basis. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I'm just going to say something to the people that call themselves Pentecostals. If you call yourself a Pentecostal and you're still kind of hiding the fact that you speak in tongues, you're on the wrong side of the line there, buddy. Because <laughs> there are people around the world that are boldly proclaiming now that they are speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gives them the utterance. It doesn't matter where you come from or what you've previously believed. It doesn't matter your race or your family tree. It doesn't matter how much money you got or how educated you are. God made a promise, and Peter preached about it on the day of Pentecost. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Well, what about this group? All flesh. But what about these people? All flesh. But what about that church? All flesh. As long as there is something inside of them that says, I hunger and thirst for more, the Bible says, they that hunger and thirst shall be filled. Oh, I wonder if there's any hungry people in the house today. I wonder if there's any thirsty people in the house of God today who showed up on a rainy Sunday morning and walked in and said, you know what? There's got to be more to life than this. I'm looking for something more. I know about this and I know about that, but I feel like maybe Jesus has something more for me in my life. I tell you, you're in the right place at the right time because the power of an awesome God is present in this house. What you are feeling right now is not emotionalism. It's not hype. What you're beginning to feel right now is the presence of God. Oh, wow. This isn't groupthink. Mm. We're not trying to just get you around a lot of people 
so that you'll start behaving the way that we behave. Because most of us didn't behave this way before. Amen. This is about having a personal, powerful experience with the Spirit of the Almighty God. It is estimated today that every two seconds, somewhere in the world, someone is experiencing being filled with the Spirit of God every two seconds. How many people, since we started this day, have spoken tongues for the first time? How many people in how many countries, since we sang our first song today, have spoken in tongues for the first time? And is there anybody sitting here today that says, I feel my two seconds is about to show up. I feel like my two seconds is almost here. One Two, there goes another one. One, two, somebody else is speaking in tongues. One, two, somebody in Germany just got the Holy Ghost. One, two, somebody in Africa just got the Holy Ghost. One, two, somebody in Minnesota. Somebody in Minnesota. Somebody in Minnesota is going to get the Holy Ghost because we're living in the last days and God made a promise that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. Hallelujah. It's not something you can earn or buy. There are no forms to fill out. No red tape to cut through. It's not government regulated. And it never gets voted on. (laughs) Only God can do it. I said only God can do it. Anyone who is hungry and who would step out in faith and believe. Oh, hallelujah. Is perfectly positioned to receive the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah. On the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts that we were reading about earlier and a few times already, they were simply where Jesus told them to be and expecting for his promise to come to pass. They did not completely understand what was going to happen next. They could not explain to you about what the next hours held in for them. They were just where... He told them to be, and they were just believing that what he said was true. Congratulations on getting the first part right. You're where you're supposed to be right now. I hope you feel that way. You're where you're supposed to be. If you don't feel that way, the doors are not locked. No one's going to stop you. But I'm telling you, you're where you're supposed to be today. The next simple step is to believe that what God's word says, not what I say, not what the person who brought you says, but what the scripture has told us is going to come to pass in your life. They came together like we are right now. 
They prayed and sought the Lord like we're about to do in just a minute. And they were all, Acts 2 and 4, filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now, if you'll just give me a couple more minutes. So I've preached this message for over 20 years. And others have preached it going all the way back to Peter's message at Pentecost. But never have I felt so compelled so strongly as to preach what Peter also said in Acts 2 and 40. And with many other words that he testified and exhorts saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. The word untoward there means warped. It means perverse. It means crooked. Peter looked at them in that day and said, you need the Holy Ghost in your life. You need the Holy Ghost. You need to repent. You need to be baptized and you need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost so that you can save yourself from this untoward generation. And it would be a waste of my breath to try and list for you the calamity of our culture today. You do not need me to point it out. It's being shoved in your face daily as mine. The Holy Ghost is God's empowerment to live in this sinful world. Jesus prayed in John 17, I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but I pray that thou shall keep them from the evil. And the only way that's possible in this world that you and I live in today in this untoward generation. The only way that's possible is for you and I to become walking, talking vessels that are filled and empowered by the Spirit of the Almighty God. Oh, hallelujah. I know it's been a lot of fun, but let me just preach. Hey man, if I can, a little bit with a little bit of an edge, if you'll allow me to do so, you need to wake up and realize that you're not going to be able to withstand the onslaught of sin in this world today without the spirit of the almighty God. You need to wake up and get a revelation that you don't have enough all by yourself to stand against the darkness that is pressing in all around us. And you need to get a hold of a biblical revelation that says there is a way to live in the world but not be of the world and that is for me to be filled with the spirit of the almighty God I need to go to bed with the power and I need to wake up with the power and frankly I need the power working in my dreams when I'm asleep at night and when I rise in the morning I need the power and when I go to work I need the power and when I'm dealing with life and family and finances, I need the power of the Holy Ghost. Gone are the days, and they never really existed, where we could just say, well, I know a little bit about this and a little bit about that. I memorized this prayer, and I read that scripture, and I think that's enough. I'm telling you, we're living in an age where you need the power of the Holy Ghost every second, every moment every day of your life. 
I see you struggling. I see you battling. I see you taking steps to try to make it better. And I applaud you. I applaud you. I stand. I rise. And I applaud you for doing everything that you can do. But I'm telling you today, you and I were not created complete in ourselves until the Spirit of God fills us. It was Jesus who said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I applaud everything you've ever done. Every step of faith you've ever taken. Every ounce of faith that you have and everything you've ever tried and experienced to try to get closer to Jesus. I rise and I applaud you, sir and ma'am. And I am thankful that you have given it everything you got. But you hear this preacher today. You are not going to have the power that you need. I would not have the power. We would not have the power that we need until We receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. The promise is said to be unto you. Everybody say me. And to you and me and us, the promise is unto you, the Scripture says. I need some parent to hear me now. And your children. What are we going to do about the destruction that's come upon our children? See, this is, this is, this is Pentecost right here. We can, do, we can do the hype and we can bring it down. We can run. We can weep. What are we going to do about the onslaught on our children? What are we going to do about how hard the devil is working to destroy them when they are young? What are we going to do about the massive escalation in self-harm and suicide? What are we going to do about the massive escalation of the, the mental health of our youth and our children? What are we going to do? How are we going to protect them when everything that the devil has, he's throwing at them so that he can get them addicted or broken or killed before they ever even have a chance to find out what God really wanted for them in life? What are we going to do? This is where an understanding, wonderful Heavenly Father said, I want to make sure it's very clear. I'm making you a promise, and it's unto you and to your children. 
I'm telling some mom and dad, aunt and uncle, grandma, grandpa in here, I'm telling you right now, you do everything in your power to protect your kids. You do everything in your power to educate your kids. You do everything in your power to keep them from the works of the enemy. But you better understand that our power is not close enough to enough. But if we get the Holy Spirit involved in our lives and involved in our homes and involved in our families, if we'll get the power of the Holy Ghost moving in this generation, they're going to rise up a generation that can stand tall and look the devil in the eye and say, no, thank you. I've already got a God whom I'm going to serve all the days of my life. God made a promise unto you and your children. Oh, stand and clap your hands loudly unto the Lord and lift your voice and shout unto God in this place today. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost a powerful message about Jesus, about how he not only died, but that he rose again. And he was very pointed about the people that were involved and what it was for. And he goes all the way back into the Old Testament and he preaches this beautiful message. And when they're done, he stops and he looks at the crowd. And he takes a breath. And someone in the crowd lifts up their voice from the back and says, well, then what do we need to do? We feel something It's different than we've ever felt before. We've never really been in a church like this. This is a little weird. But we feel something. It's tugging. It's tugging. It's this place inside of us. This Someone else from the back says, what do we need to do? And then someone a little closer says, yeah, what do we need to do? Somebody else says, yeah, Peter, tell us. That was a great message, but now what? What do we need to do? And Peter looks at him and says, it's it's not all that complicated, really. You need to repent. You need to acknowledge that you're a sinner and just so we're all aware we're all sinners so if you're going to get stuck on that part that's not the place to get stuck (laughs) ain't no perfect people in here he said you need to acknowledge your sin that has separated you from God and you need to repent which means not only to acknowledge your sin and ask for forgiveness of that sin, but to determine in your mind that you're going to turn from that sin. I don't want to be that way anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to live. I don't want to live like that anymore. I don't want to be that person anymore. You need to repent. And so before anybody in this place can be filled with the spirit of the almighty God today, you're going to have to repent. The good news is, is that you don't have to repent to me. You don't have to repent to the person next to you. 
You just have to say, Jesus. You can go directly to him. You can talk to him and say, I'm sorry. I know the things that I've done that are not right, not righteous. I ask you to forgive me. You need to repent of your sins and ask him to forgive you. You need to have faith that he is going to respond. That he's going to show up like they had faith in that upper room on the day of Pentecost that something is going to happen. Have faith. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six 6 that without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And not just that he is, not that just God exists, but he that cometh to God must believe that he is, but that he is also a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm going to tell you what diligently seeking in faith looks like today. In a moment, you're going to have an opportunity, if you so would, to step out of your row and walk up here to the front of this building, find a place, repent, and have faith that God is going to forgive you of your sins. That's what diligently seek him looks like today. Repent. Proverbs 28, 13, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. We can try to hide it. We can try to pretend like we don't have it, but it's not going to work. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So you may be standing here today feeling a lot of guilt about what you did maybe 30 years ago or 30 minutes before you walked in here. But he says, if, you'll tr- if you won't try to hide it, if you'll confess it and repent it, you will have mercy. Acts 3 and 19, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Ooh, the times of refreshing are coming. The times of refreshing, the winds of refreshing are starting to blow even now in this house. So we repent in faith. We begin to worship the Lord and honor the Lord. And just so you're aware today, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, Peter said, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And every time anyone was ever baptized in Scripture, they went down into the water and came up out of the water. They were immersed in the water, and the name of Jesus Christ was said over them. If you've never been baptized in that biblical form today, I honor every step of faith you've taken up to this point, but I would encourage you. I would encourage you to get your baptism lined up with what it says in the Scripture. But he says you can repent and be forgiven. And then after you feel that mercy and love wash over you, and you will when you repent, you're going to feel like the love of the Heavenly Father just wraps itself around you. And you may begin to cry a little. Please don't try to stop that. I know we have the Kleenex up here, but that's just kind of for show. No, you can use the Kleenex. But worry about the tears that's beautiful it's beautiful 
And if you start crying and it messes up the face that you had to put on to come today, you can fix it after. We don't care. We're not looking at that anyway. We're looking at what God is doing. We're looking at what God is doing. But I want to encourage you now. There's one thing that can get people to fall just a little short. And that is, when you stand in the love and mercy of God in a peaceful place like this church, in the front, and you begin to cry, it can feel so good. It can feel so good. And that's wonderful. And that's a great thing. But goosebumps and feel-goods is not evidence of receiving the Spirit of God. We only have one thing given to us as evidence of receiving the Spirit of God as far as the beginning. And that is, you speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. And so, as you begin to feel that love and mercy and you begin to feel that good, clean, thankful, just what you're feeling, just say it. Just say, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for loving me this much that you brought me here today. And by the way, thank you for dying on a cross because you first loved me. And thank you for this wonderful experience that I'm having right now. And by the way, I love you. I love you. I love you and I worship you. And I worship you. And you are God. And I worship you. I'm not saying say what I just said. I'm just saying say those things as you feel them in your heart. And God is going to move upon you. And he is going to move around you. And then he is going to move in you. And you'll know when you hear yourself saying things that you don't know what you're saying. When a little God crazy starts, <laughs> you might feel the Bible talks about stammering lips. You may feel a little bit like your lips are starting to stammer. You may be trying to form words with your tongue, but that, that unruly member is trying to yield itself to God, and you're trying to yield itself to you. You need to just let that happen and let the Spirit of God come in and let the Spirit of God be the transformative power that we need today. I'm not talking to people just who have never spoken in tongues today. I'm saying every person in this house needs to pray, repent, and worship until you speak in tongues again before you leave this place today. I don't care if you spoke in tongues this morning in your morning devotion. It ain't going to hurt you to speak in tongues again as the power of God gives the utterance and the word of God says, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you, 
can we do this all together? Can we raise a hand, our hands, as high, as low as you want? Close your eyes if it helps you. And can we, in our own words and from our own hearts, just begin to pray a prayer of repentance right now? I'm going to pray a prayer of repentance, but I'm not asking you to say what I'm saying. I'm just asking you to repent. Heavenly Father, you are my God. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.